Let's go to that next verse in Daniel chapter 5. Verse 21, and he was driven from the sons of men, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, and his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew, listen, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. So Nebuchadnezzar is thinking, look at the grandeur of my kingdom. Look at how great what I've accomplished. God says, all right, that's what you think. You're going to be an ox. And you're, you're, going, to, you're going to have long nails and long hair, and you're literally going to lose your mind, and you're going to be chewing, on, chewing grass like a cow. That's the, that's the sovereignty of God. He says, okay, Mr. King, here, here's some grass to chew on for a while. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on until, until you know that the Most High, until you confess with your mouth that the Most High God rules the kingdom of men and that he appoints over it whomsoever he will. Now, don't fear, Brother Branham says, don't fear communism. That's what we see in today all over social media, uh, right-wing people, conservative people, they're afraid of communism coming over this country. Don't fear communism. It's Romanism that's going to rule the world. Don't get your eyes off, off on, onto the wrong kind of thing. You know, it's not going to be Bill Gates that rules the world. It's going to be the Pope. <laughs> people, are, people are afraid of these things. There's not, there's not any reason to be afraid. God appoints over the world whom he wants to rule. He wanted President Trump to be the president right now because he knew how he would react and respond and he knew what kind of person that he was. And all the leaders of the earth, that's the case. All the people that are wealthy and rich, you know, we, we, there's all these conspiracy thoughts and, you know, the 1% is controlling this. The devil is the one that's controlling the whole thing. And he does, he, he moves this one here, moves this one here. And guess what? God is in control of it all. And he's going to accomplish his purpose. And nothing's, no one is going to thwart that. No one's going to stop that. There's, there's not a reason for us to be afraid in this hour unless we're listening to the wrong voice. God is sovereign over you. God is sovereign over your life. Everything that comes across your way. I love Brother Charles. Remember when we met brothers? He said, whatever happens to me, if I, if, if I die, I'm ready to go home. But I believe the Lord can, can keep me and protect me. And that's the, that's the attitude, that's the heart to have. And God is keeping him through, through a great difficulty. And we believe he'll, he'll be back amongst us. And when we're all together, we'll be rejoicing over what the Lord has done for him. Amen. Uh, next scripture is in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Amen. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah knew that pretty well. <laughs> he was in a, a dark place, a, a stinky place, a difficult place. And he learned that when he turned to the Lord and he prayed... God brought a deliverance for him. I mean, you're out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, 
and there's a huge storm and you get thrown into the water, you pretty much know that your time has come. And, you know, we look at God saved him. God saved him and brought forth a testimony in him that would speak to the ones that he was supposed to speak to. And so God was completely sovereign over Jonah's harebrained decision. <laughs> because how, what would if he had just went directly there, what kind of testimony would it have been? So he, he, it was a mistake. He should have listened right away. But God knew he was not going to do that. He knew what kind of man Jonah was. He knew that he was going to run. And he, he said, all right, I'm going to have a storm waiting for him, and I'm going to make a fish to swallow him and spit him out on the land. Now he's going to have a testimony. Amen. And do you have a testimony? Did you go through something that was awful, and God brought you through? Salvation is of the Lord, isn't it? Next scripture, Isaiah 45, verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Uh, Our philosophy class did not like this verse in college. Um, (laughs) But if you really look at the verse, it's create evil, uh, you know, we understand evil is not, not is a perversion of that which is right. You know, it's taking what's right and turning it on its head. It's not a thing in of itself. It's the absence of goodness. It's the absence of righteousness. And so, you know, if you look at this, ver- this word evil, it can also mean calamity. You know, and so God, God is is not the author of confusion, right? God is not the author of evil. And yet we have here, he says, he created evil. So how did he create evil? He allowed evil to have its way, to have its fruit. Why? In order to accomplish a greater purpose. You know, God, God didn't say, okay, I'm going to make this one evil. No, they, all those people that made an evil choice, they said, I will. What was Lucifer's choice? I will. So he made, Lucifer chose, and yet God ordained that Lucifer would have it within him, the capability to make that choice to turn against him and try to exalt himself. Romans chapter 9, verse 18 through 21, we'll read. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Verse 19. Next one. (laughs) That's it. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault for who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? So it was God's plan, God's purpose, God's choosing. He made them with the capability, but they still had to choose. And and that's where we're going to next, freedom of the will. If God is sovereign over everything, if God's purpose will stand regardless, doesn't that mean that we now... Do not have free will. 
Let's look at it this way. Those who reject God do so voluntarily. They are not forced to come to Him to have life. They choose not to have life. You say, but God made them this way. Yes, that's true. But He makes the offer. Remember Cain. Cain was the serpent seed. And God offered salvation to him. And he got angry. He hated it. He despised God. And so, in thing, in bring that quote up from things that are to be uh, there, if you can. You're on free moral agency. You can act. Uh, next one, I think. Yeah. You're on free moral agency. You can act the way you wish to. Amen. So, so simple. What is free will? If you were a, if you were a philosopher and, and <laughs> took philosophy class, you would understand the depth of the wisdom of the statement that Brother Branham just made. That's what free will is. You, act, you do what you desire to do. You act the way you want to act. And it's not forced upon you. And that's not just saying that. Well, you said God's sovereign, and now you're saying He doesn't force His will upon you. Well... Let's continue. John, let's go to the scripture, back to the scripture, John chapter 5, verse 40. We're keeping you active, Brother George. God bless you. Thank you. And on the new program, you're running back and forth. It's a, it's a good training. Praise the Lord. <laughs> John 5, verse 40. And, he, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. You will not come to me. Your will is that you don't want to come to me. Your desire, your, your desire, your purpose is that you want to reject Christ. That's what they want. No one forces them to reject Christ. That's their choice. That's the decision that they want to make. Revelation 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life Freely. Amen. It's open. Whoever wants to come, come come on. Hey, anybody wants to receive salvation, come on and receive it. <laughs> and the, then they throw then the stones come. <laughs> the rotten tomatoes. We don't need we don't, what do you mean we need a savior? Who do you think you are to tell us that? All are welcome to come. There's not a there's not with now. Let's just look at this, the comparison. Okay, we have the sovereignty of God, and we have the free will of man. And in philosophy, they always want to pit these two things against each other to fight against each other. Uh, but that's the human perspective. That's coming from perspective of a person that's limited by time and space and only understands time in a linear fashion. And that's a mistake. There is not with man as there is with God a past he is bound by. We're bound by things that happened to us in the past. Choices that our parents made. Not that, I mean, there's forgiveness, there's salvation, there's transformation. And yet if you commit adultery and have a child, there's not, there's not a reversal of that. That continues on. That follows you along. You can be forgiven. But the consequences still follow you. Follow you. There's a past that we are bound by. God is not. 
in time and not limited by time. He's not bound by the past. Everything is now with God. Now, 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years from now, that's all the same with God because he's outside of the time and space dimensions. So that with God, the past is never past. And the future is ever-present. So the unchangeableness of God's sovereign decrees is not in disunity with his ability to answer our prayers and for us to make choices. They don't contradict each other. One dimension, is one is outside of this dimension, one is in this dimension. From the perspective of a linear amount of time, we say, I have to make choices, and that means that God is limited by my choices. But outside of time, God's going, don't you get it yet? <laughs> yeah, the scripture puts our free will. He says, it says, whoever, whosoever will. The scripture also says God does whatever he pleases, and no one can change his plan and purpose and decree. So are we supposed to make those fight each other? Are we supposed to say, yes, amen. That's beautiful. Yes, I can choose. Yes, he is completely sovereign. Yes, he's in control of everything. How, how can we really trust God if he's not sovereign over everything? We can, there's, no, there's no way we can. If it's ba- everything is based on the will of man, it just makes my head explode to, th- to think that somebody, a Christian, that confesses to believe this Bible would say that. I mean, you see people today, they're, 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 in Minnesota we got Baptists, but they're, they believe in predestination. Down here we got Baptists, they don't believe in predestination. I had so many conversations with people in my college, and they said, I don't believe in predestination. I said, you're not a Christian. And they're like, yes, I am. And I, I said, no. You, if you're a Christian, you believe every word in the Bible. You trust God. You're saying, I don't believe God, and I don't believe the Bible. Well, no, I believe it. It says predestination. We're predestinated. It said we're chosen by God in Christ before the foundation of the world. And you said you don't believe that. Well, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know what to say. But I, don't, I believe that we have a choice. And we have to choose him every day. Okay, wow. Your salvation is based on something as fickle as you. And I, and I truly believe that. Someone that comes to me and says, I don't believe in predestination, I just have to say, you're not, you're, I, we can't even have a discussion. We, we have to ta- approach you as an unbeliever, as an infidel. Because you don't even believe in the basic, uh, literally a word in the Bible. I remember when my, I, I didn't know anything. I mean, I grew up in a Lutheran church. I, I didn't hardly know anything. And these Calvinist fellas are talking to me and said, hey, do you believe in predestination? Meanwhile, I'm swearing and um, drinking and just was in an awful condition in my life. But they said, do you believe in predestination? I said, what, what does that mean? So they opened the Bible and read it. And I said, well, it's in the Bible, so yes, I believe it. That's the proper response. You might not understand it, but if it's in the Bible, you can't say, and you are a Christian or a believer or confess to believe, you can't say, no, I don't believe it. That's nonsense. 
here, you, repent is what you need to do and come to God and get saved. I mean, look, let's, okay, let's go to John 3.16. We know the verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes, anyone that believes, anyone that chooses to follow Christ can receive eternal life through Him. Anyone. Anyone that desires. Let's look at Acts uh, 13, verse 48. Still pulling it up, Brother George? All right, I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way. There you got it. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And look at that. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So who, who is it whosoever believes? Who is it whosoever is? Those that were ordained to eternal life. Now this, this brings us to the place where we understand. We do. We choose. But let's go a little further and ask this question. Can we choose? Does the Bible say you can you're you have the ability to choose God? Now it it makes the offer